Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at a Chuck way home on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Well, SEC Media Day is rolling along. We talked to Jonathan Williams a little bit earlier on in the show. He is up there in uh, Nash Vegas and uh, covering all things uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to my friend, Chris Goforth, as he is up in Nash Vegas covering SEC Media Days for us here on 92.9 The Game. You can follow Chris on his personal Twitter page, at Chris Goforth1. Chris, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks uh, for a few minutes on the show with me tonight. Yeah, hey, uh, look, uh, it's always fun to uh, to be able to hop on because uh, it is that time of year, man. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about the idea of, you know, look, I'm a homer, so I like the idea of, SEC Media Days being in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. How do you like the revolving schedule that we have now with SEC Media Days? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, John. I, I wish they would put it in the College Football Hall of Fame and, and just leave it there. I think it's a perfect place uh, to be able to to have this event. Not only are you talking about the College Football Hall of Fame, but you're also putting it in the in the city where a couple of months later you'll you'll crown your your conference champion. It. You know, it makes too much sense to me, but I understand kind of what the uh, the conference's reasoning is behind this. And I guess next year we'll go to uh, we'll go to Dallas. I talked to some folks today from the SEC Network who told me that the 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 initial plan, as they understood it, was they wanted to have this event next year uh, in the Cowboys Stadium there in Arlington, which is where the Big Twelve had their media days at last week. Now, they realized that it was happening the same week as the Major League Baseball All-Star Game next year. So you would have the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game literally going on right across the street from the from SEC Media Days. Oh. So I think what they have decided to do is they're going to move it into downtown Dallas at a hotel. So I agreed and I disagreed with Greg Sankey. I agreed with Greg Sankey when he said, that there is no plans and no reason to move the SEC title game out of Atlanta and people were bringing up Nashville. But I vehemently disagreed with the idea of Congress is the only way to solve NIL. And, Chris, as I always say, Congress, the federal government does two things well. They print money and fight wars. That's it. That's the only things that they do well. So, again, I don't want anything involved with the federal government when it comes to NIL. There has to be something that is better 
than getting the federales involved in all of this mess. Yeah, I mean, I, look, John, I, I would agree with you 100% with, with what you're saying, but we have gotten to the point now to where, you know, the NCAA has basically pushed this back off onto the states. So every state has different rules. It, you know, it, it differs from state to state. Uh, you know, the, look, LSU and Tennessee have very favorable NIL rules compared to what some of the rest of the country has to, has to deal with. Um, I, I don't know any other way around this. I, I, you know, I, I've looked. I've thought about it. If the NCAA is not going to do it, I don't know, at least in the current structure of college athletics, I don't know any other way to to be able to to govern this to where you can kind of level the playing field for everybody. Well, I guess, though, when, when I look at this, though, look, there's never going to be an even playing field. I don't care if the federal government is involved. I don't care if the states are involved. It's college athletics. It's never been a playing field, an even playing field. There are always look. Everything in life is have and have nots. So again, why would college athletics be any different in that? And I don't think that there's. I just don't think that there's a one stop shop for everything nil. You know, I mean, again, we heard so many things about, well, it's only going to be football and, and maybe some basketball players. Well, now all of the people that make money are all the gymnasts and the swimmers. That's and, right. Yeah, I mean, they're That's the ones right. that are making all the money. I mean, so it's not even the football players that, that are making all the money. So, again, all of the narratives that have come along with this have been 100% wrong in their assessments. Why would I believe the federal government can come in there and fix anything about this? Well, and it's it's funny that that you you kind of bring uh, a lot of that stuff up because, you know, I was thinking back uh, this week to, uh, you know, I think you uh, myself and 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 Randy had this conversation a couple of years ago. Remember when, you know, they were talking about the oh the stipends and the and the covering the full cost of attendance and and all of that and. Uh, wasn't it Jim Delaney of the Big Ten that came out and said, "Oh, we, you know, our schools will all have to go Division Three. We, couldn't, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't afford to do this." And yet, uh, I think the Big Ten's doing okay right now. So, you know, I think it speaks to how powerless the NCAA is at the end of the day, um, both as a uh, an enforcer uh, and a and a lawmaker or a rule maker. Uh, in terms of college athletics. Wasn't that, but I, I guess that was their decision though. I, I mean that they, they could have exerted their power if they really they wanted have. to. I think the, I think the fear is from what I understand from people, the fear is a lawsuit. Well, sure. But, but again, it, the, the reason we have NIL is because of lawsuits. I mean that, right. I mean that the only reason yeah. we have NIL is because Ed O'Bannon was right. watching a video game and saying, wait a second, that's me, you that's know? Me. Uh-huh. So then he took that to the Supreme Court. That's the only reason we got NIL. So, I, you know, yeah, and I understand. I mean, it's just I, I don't think that there is a one-stop shop for all of this. I, I think that there – I think that the idea of ideas differing in the marketplace – is always a good thing. I think that's how things get worked. I mean, look, that's how things get worked out in life. 
I mean, we don't have sets of rules. You know, again, fighting wars and printing money. I mean, we have certain things like that. But by and large, the states are willing, you know, are, are able to operate, you know, in their in their own thing. I mean, again, they don't have counties in Louisiana. They have parishes, right? I mean, they they don't even right. have the same kind of form of government that that we do in most, you know, other states. So again, I think just the ideas that come from a myriad of different places and things, and then you come together and try to find the best solution. I still think I still think that's the best way to go about this. It is a well. I, I think it's a it's an issue that is going to hang around for a while. Um, I don't think that you know. I, I don't think we're anywhere close to getting any sort of legislation on it. I don't think the NCAA is is going to do anything to to act upon it. So, from what I understand from um, from talking to Bill Hancock today, uh, that I guess Tommy Tuberville and a Democratic senator have come together and they're working on a on a bipartisan bit of legislation but john i don't know if you watched or heard or saw any snippets of of the congressional hearings that have gone on uh around name image and likeness but you know clearly these are a lot of people that are they they haven't been listening to college football game time on sports radio 92 9 the game on saturday because they've been clueless about all of this stuff going on yeah Chris Goforth joining me here on the waitfor.com hotline, pre, post, and halftime host for Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, Chris, they should just have me, you, and Randy sort this thing out because, again, that would be the, that <laughs> hey, would be the, that hey. would be the most logical thing to do. Hey, listen, lock us in a room somewhere with some burgers. Yes. Uh, you know, a couple ribs. of plates of wings. Yeah, I, I ribs. Think we could knock this thing out, in, you know, in three or four hours. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, I would – I would stall because I'd want more food. Um, so <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, what did you think it's about the line? Man, yeah, absolutely. What did you think about the line of questioning for Kirby? Boy, I, I it was this was one of those things that was not expected to be like this. You know, where again, the media searching for stories, and the big story was going to be Kirby and the questions he's going to have to answer. And then we got there, and it was pretty much a big dud. I mean, there wasn't really anything provocative that was asked of him. No, I was, uh, I was, I was really surprised at what it was. Um, You know, I thought there would be a lot more, uh, a lot more questions directed towards the, what is it? uh, 11 traffic violations in the last couple of months. I thought there would be more, focused on that um, more stuff about the the off the field things but that wasn't the case at all now I will say this if I'm Kirby Smart I think you you walked away today feeling pretty good about what you were asked and I thought Kirby handled it really well today um, you know though the one thing I'll give him credit for is when it comes to the talk of a three-peat you know he's not shying away from that the way you know the way some coaches have in, in the past when it's been when that's been brought up uh you know he was kind of very direct and and almost head on in terms of of his approach with it so i thought that was kind of a of uh you know good to see from him but to your point Yes, I, I was shocked at the way the line of questioning went today for him. Well, and, and to your point, Chris, about the three-peat, you know, I, and, I've, and I was talking to Jonathan Williams about this. You know, we've seen 
some teams that have repeated in college football. I mean, it's rare, but we have seen it. And and if you've lived any kind of life, I mean, for any length of time, you've seen some teams that have repeated as national champions. Okay, there's nobody alive that knows about a three-peat in college football, <laughs> right. right? I mean, yeah. for, other than John Fricky, yeah, other than John Fricky, I mean, that's the only person left that college that covered college football with a musket, you know, back when Minnesota, you know, was was three-peating. So again, nobody has any sense of this happening, and I think the notion is just that. Well, this can't happen because it's never happened. You know, again, I think a lot of people don't even know that that there was a three-peat, you know, national champion. That that's probably how, you know, again, out of touch that whole thing is. So, I just think the idea that people are looking at this like, well, this is just the most ridiculous thing, but then again, you start looking at Georgia and saying, "Well, wait a second. They're really good. That schedule's a disaster. There's no reason they won't be 12 and 0 going into the SEC title game. Maybe all bets are off at that point." But, boy, everything lines up for Georgia to find themselves in position that come December 4th or 5th or 6th or whatever that game is, they're still going to be the number one team in the nation. So, you know, one of the things that's kind of along with that is from Georgia Kirby and the three players that he had there, they all spoke complacency and fighting complacency. I'm not in that locker room. I don't know what it's like, but I just wonder if maybe what has gone on off the field uh, and the scrutiny that they have been under, if maybe that's not some sort of galvanizing factor with this football team going into the season. The other thing, too, you know, he has recruited so very well, and when you take a look at you know, yes, they've put a bunch of guys in the NFL the last two years, but he's recruited so well. I think the guys that he has stepping into those roles are just as good as the guys that have left. The difference is these guys that are stepping into those roles, they haven't done anything yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that can play in Georgia's favor as well in that you hope that, yes, these guys are extremely talented, you also hope they've got a little bit of that chip on their shoulder uh, in regards to still having that hunger, if you will, and and the want to to be a champion and to continue to, you know, not be the team at, at Georgia that breaks this ridiculous streak. I mean, my gosh, back-to-back seasons of eight no play in the SEC, and they're twenty-nine and one in their last thirty games. That's nuts. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I think the other thing, too, is, Chris, as is, is we wrap up here, I think the other thing, too, is, and, and again, say what you will, but some of the high-profile negative stories about Georgia, those guys aren't here anymore. Like, th- those guys aren't on campus, and, and they're not part of this football team. I mean, Jalen Carter or Stetson Bennett, like, those guys aren't here. And I, and I just say that from the standpoint of, no one's going to have to ask questions about, you know, Jalen Carter and, you know, hit, you know, linger that story or even Stetson Bennett, you know, about, you know, his follies, you know, at the senior bowl or whatever like that. Like nobody, like right. they don't have to answer those kinds of questions. They can focus on, okay, this is a new group and, and it's, you know, yes, it's Georgia and yes, the head coach is here, but those players aren't here that were, I don't want to say that they were troublemakers, but I mean just some of the guys that had the high-profile cases, those guys are no longer part of this program. 
Yeah, and I want the one other thing that I'll give Kirby Smart too that, um, and again, not being inside that locker room but watching from afar, and I think all good coaches do this. Um, you know, I think John Wooden had, did this as well. The ability to compartmentalize things. And so I don't know that there's going to be necessarily if there is any effect from what has happened over the summer and all of this talk and the, you know, the AJC articles and whatnot. I think if anything, this is something that Kirby can find a way to spin into a positive for them. Chris Goforth, you can check him out pre post and halftime on Falcons radio network. And uh, he is on Twitter at Chris Goforth one. You can hear him on weekends as well here on uh, 92.9 The Game. And by the way, Chris, uh, and we don't have time to discuss this, but um, I've always said John Wooden's the most overrated coach in team sports history, but that's that's another oh, discussion. Oh, wow. Yeah, we can get into that discussion. We'll, we'll, we'll get together and get into that discussion at some point because, I, I again, when you have Al Cinder and Walton, how hard do you have to coach? Again, I could have uh, well, coached those teams. Got, what was the guy's name? Was it Sonny Gilbert? Wasn't Sonny Gilbert his yeah, bag man? Yeah, his bag man. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, he got Lou Alcindor to come from New York City to come play in Los Angeles, California, where he was supposed to go to St. John's and everybody was willing to, you know, bring him in there. And all of a sudden they're like, Los Angeles, California. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but that's another story for another day. Chris, buddy, appreciate it, man. My friend, thank you yeah, so man. much for joining me tonight. Anytime, John. Talk soon, man. See you got you. it. When we get back, it will be time for That's Life couple of uh, new Burger King items that I want to go over with Day Day because these are very interesting. Good song here, too. Um, we talked about this song, did we not? Yeah. The uh, Krugs. 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 Chuck Renekia Studios. I'm Krugged Up. Sports written on to the game. Odyssey.com app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The game back at it, Chuckery Show. 924 in the Key Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. No, sorry. I, I keep doing that. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. By the way, Rankum is coming up at 1040. It is Tuesday. We got Rankum coming up at 1040. By the way, 
It's now 12-11 in this game. Crazy. All right, Day-Day. Yeah. Um, Burger King is coming up with some new menu items, okay? Mm-hmm. So they are coming up with the what they call the Super Cheeseburger. Now, I believe that this is only going to be available in Thailand, okay? Right. But what it is is the Super Cheeseburger. It's a sandwich from Burger King that contains 20 layers of cheese slices and no meat. 20 layers of cheese. Can I tell you, if you eat that kind of sandwich, you won't crap for a week. (laughs) With the bread and the cheese, you won't have a solid bowel movement in a month. But when you do go, it will be colossus. But what do you think about the idea of a 20 slices of cheese on a sandwich with no meat? Yeah, I'm I'm good on that. Yeah, it does seem kind of uh, ridiculous, does it not? A little cloggy. Okay. Here's the other thing. In Brazil, you know that Barbie movie? Yeah. Okay, with that, with, that, with that wonderful Margot Robbie. Yeah. All right. They have a Barbie. Th- this isn't only in Brazil. Mm-hmm. A Barbie-themed meal um, just in time for the release. It's a pink burger. They have a, they have a pink burger that's available in Brazil. It's it's basically it it looks like that what what it basically is is it's a cheeseburger and it's got this pink kind of sauce on it. Yeah, this is this, this thing looks this thing looks disgusting. I mean, when you when when you when you look at this burger, it's got like this pink sauce on it. I don't know what's in the sauce. But what would you think about a burger with pink sauce that's on it? For I'm Barbie? okay there. If it's not a dessert with some type of, you know, I don't need pink in my food. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> again, I. Why would anybody eat something that has that has pink? Uh, and they've got a whole Barbie meal along with it. Uh, there's a there's like fries, and then there's like some kind of specialty drink that's pink but there's some kind of pink sauce that's on the cheeseburger that that sounds i mean that that whole thing sounds uh disgusting but um but again uh listen tying into movies and and all the good uh, kind of stuff so anyway um the first goring at yellowstone national park happened here um over the weekend so we got our first person that was gored by a bison um, this year. And I was trying to see. I was trying to think. Hey, I just got an email, by the way, about, have you heard about this place? Um, uh, Lennox Midtown? Something called Toast? Toast on Lennox? Yeah, so I, I didn't know. There's one down the street from us. but It's apparent, on 14th. Right here. But apparently there's actually one at Lennox. I guess that's right. the original one. Well, I, I, just, I just got invited to the VIP private opening of Toast on Lennox. On 14th Street here. Oh, nice. They've kind of been open, but okay. 
Um, well, again, un- <laughs> unfortunately, we're working because it's on Thursday oh. uh, from 6 to 9. Maybe we so. can do the show. Yeah, could we could we get this sold? Respond and tell them, yeah, let's get some money out of it. Yeah. Well, we better stop talking about it because we don't want to get in trouble. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> Forward that to Ashburn. Yeah, I mean, God, 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 for, God forbid we would, we would make any money. But anyway, um, nonetheless, uh, out there. Um, so the first person has gotten gored this year by a bison who went up to a bison and tried to film them. And, again, we've talked about these follies at Yellowstone National Park. I, I saw a story the other day that said, why are people at Yellowstone treating it like it's a zoo? Like, like again, these are all wild animals. Like, you don't want to get near the wild animals. They, they, will, they, will, they will destroy you and kill you and not think twice about it because they don't know any better. Yeah, they're called wild for an exactly. reason. And, and, and it is a wild natural park. They're not in a habitat. They're not fenced in. Can I say, though, that's natural selection at, uh, at work? Yep, and there's Austin Riley. Austin Riley's got seven RBI tonight in this game. He just hit another home run, a two-run homer. He's got three hits and seven RBI tonight, Day-Day. It's crazy. Three for four, three runs, seven RBI now for uh, Austin Riley. By the way, this is a low-key. This is a football score. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This, I mean, if you hit. I don't know what the over/under was, but if you, yeah, I mean the 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 score is ridiculous right now. But yeah, it's he's got he's three for four with three runs and seven RBI and two homers. So uh, again, he's about to uh, explode uh, out there. All right, uh, do you know what 15 years ago today was? No. The opening of the Dark Knight. Oh, I did see that on Twitter. Matter <laughs> yes. of fact, shout out to Reese because I think he tagged us. Uh, he tags us all for yeah, everything. for everything. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, for everything in life. <laughs> but anyway, um, the Dark Knight opened up. Now, I was there opening night. I, I went opening night to see the film. Actually, I saw it in different cities. I saw it in Atlanta. I went up to Charlotte in their HD theater. Um, that was must-watch. And again, yeah. I still think it's the greatest comic book movie of all time. It's one of the great movies of all time. Just yeah, Chris, period. that series, his those three Batmans to me are the are the yeah, best. Yeah, why again? Why can't he make more of those instead of like uh, Opieheimers or whatever? Uh, again, I know it's an interesting story, but in nineteen seventeen, like make more Batman movies. I, he did do, you know, he did. Uh, what's my movie I like? And he did Inception. I thought uh, Inception was good. Ugh. You didn't like Inception. Mm-mm. And then he did, uh, I think he did the one with uh, Denzel Washington's son, um, uh, Tenet. Tenet. Yeah, he did Tenet. He did 1917. Yeah. Now he's got, you know, Oprahimer, you I know, th- Opiumheimer or whatever. I thought in, uh, Inception was good. Tenet was yeah. okay. It, yeah. You know. It ain't Batman. <laughs> no, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't I mean, his it Batman. It ain't Batman, you yeah. know? I mean, he picked everything was perfect. He picked the perfect Bane. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, the perfect Joker. The, the, I mean, I was reading some. I was reading some things about. There were guys that were trying out to be the Joker. Like there mm-hmm. were actors that were uh, Adrian Brody, who was an Academy right. Award winning yeah. actor. He said, "Look, I was desperately trying to get to be the Joker." And he said, "There were other A list actors trying to be it." He said, "But Christopher Nolan always, always had Heath Ledger and, as uh, his Joker. Yeah. He always wanted Heath Ledger." As his Joker, and all he did was win the Oscar, right. or po- posthumously. I mean, right. you know, again, um, unfortunately, he died. Um, you know, in, in at the end, right at the end of making that movie, yeah. he, he passed away. But, uh, but he always wanted 
Heath Ledger as a Joker, and it's just it's one of the great performance. I'm telling you, like it's one of the great performances yeah, in movie down. history. Hands down. I mean, if you're if you're a guy of our age, it's one of the great performances. I don't care if it's a comic book movie. I don't care what it is. It's one of the great performances of all time. What what he does as that Joker character, just yeah. unbelievable how good uh, he is. So, um, happy birthday to Vin Diesel uh, today, um, who is in arguably my least favorite movie series of all time. I'm right there there is you. there is nothing less interesting than all of those fast and fuzzy and fake movies yeah. that they that they do. So tonight's top 10 list. We've talked about our favorites before. Your top 10 least favorite movie franchises has to have at least 3 movies. Day Day, the floor is yours. All right. Well, right at the top, Fast and Furious. Yep. I know people probably be like, oh, how could you? I just, it, you know, after that first one, it just got way too ridiculous. It's so CGI'd like, and yeah, ridiculous. It's just like, and they got on. so many people in those movies. Yeah, it and, just got a little too oh, out of hand for me. Uh, the Twilight series. Um, unfortunately, my daughter read the books, and I had to sit through the movies, and oh, it was just like, oh. Thank, my, thank God my daughter was not, old enough. Yeah, not old enough and not into all that. Because, again, I, I'm, I, I have that one on my list as well. Yeah. Um, unfortunately... Toy Stories because after the first one they just really? kind of yeah the first two were pretty good yeah after a while they're just like okay we don't need any more toys Woody and Buzz like that's enough because now yeah they, aren't they doing um Buzz had a movie it came okay. out last year I think yeah, yeah. because uh, Tim Allen did not play no no yeah no, he no, wasn't no. in the movie no. yes um the Harry Potters I know they're you know people raved about them when they came out I was more of a Lord of the Rings guy I wasn't Thank really... God my daughter hasn't read those books either <laughs> right. again I, I I have the Harry Pooper movie series on yeah. my list as well because again I just ugh. Yeah it's just too much. Like yeah. it's just it's just too much. Now I know we said we love Christopher Nolan's Batman's, but other than that, throw the entire and maybe the first Wonder Woman, throw the entire DC franchise out the window. Just throw it away. Yeah, just, I mean, just stop. I mean, I, they're they're like coming out with this this Blue Beetle, and I'm like, yeah, who knows who Blue Beetle <laughs> is? I mean, unless you're a diehard comic, and I know right. I know he's the first Hispanic superhero right. and all this. But again, nobody knows Blue Beetle. Yep. Um. Okay, like nobody knows this guy. <laughs> Stay with what works. Yeah. Aqua, super, spitty. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, stay with what stay works. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Yes. Um, after the first two, the Jurassic Park series. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I'm I'm with you. I I don't even like the first first two. Yeah. I don't I don't even like I don't like any of the movies. Yeah. And I know Spielberg directed it, the first one. I don't like any of those movies. Yeah. Um, the Resident Evils, couldn't get into them. Uh, Divergent series, which was kind of along the lines of Hunger Games. Uh, believe it or not, I did not like the Takens. And then. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love Taken. Well, after yeah. the first one, it was just like, it was kind of the same story. Well, uh, yeah, again. I mean, uh, but I, I, I like the second one. That By the time the third one came along and they killed it, it was like, okay. Right. Now this is money grab time. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then my last one, after the first, I want to say the first two, I think maybe I like the third one. I can't remember. But the saws. The saws. Yeah, I thought about them as well. Um, they were pretty close to being on my list. So I've got the Harry Pooper series um, as well. Uh, Fast and Fuzzy, um, that's on, <laughs> on my list. Um, I'll be honest with you. 
I never liked any of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I, uh, I like the first two, but I didn't then like they any lost of them. me because there was one where uh, what's that guy? The the not uh, Johnny Depp, but the other guy. Uh, sure. But him, he wasn't in it. But then they brought him back, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Daytona Bloom or whatever. Yeah, Orlando Bloom. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. That's what I said. I mean, <laughs> Miami Bloom. Um, yeah, no thanks. Um, bored with the rings. Um, See, my I like God. Those. Oh yeah, God. I like those. No, I like those. I don't like uh, what's the other part of it? The Hobbits. Yeah, I don't like that, the Hobbits. That, that whole again, those movies are like seventeen hours long a piece. <laughs> they are long. <laughs> oh my god, um, the Transformers. I like the first one, sort of. Yeah. But boy, those movies are bad now. And and these, they got a new one coming out. I think it's coming out right now. Yeah, it's out like, now. Yeah, it's out now. God. I did like the first two. I didn't care for when Mark Wahlberg's came out. Yes. Yeah, and so. and again, but the Shia LaBeouf, I mean, it's yeah, he, it was played out yeah. very quickly. Um, I've got you with Jurassic Park. Like, I don't like any of the movies. I, yeah. I just, I don't like the remakes. Like, they, they well, I don't, they're not remakes, but they just the, keep. They, the, the guy that, the, the Guardian of the Galaxy guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like those ones either. Just, I don't like any of that. Um, the Mummy movies, all the different Mummy movies that came out. I, you know what? I I did like the Tom Cruise one. Uh, well, which you know that was a restart of the, but it was, was a Ethan different Hunt take in that movie with the one with Tom Cruise. I can't remember if he. Oh, he well, did, you said was he Ethan Hunt? Yeah, was no, he Ethan no, Hunt in that movie? no. Okay. But his version was pretty good though. Was he Maverick? <laughs> no, he wasn't okay. Maverick either. Now then, then I wouldn't see it. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm with you with the Twilight um, series. Yeah. Um, the most ridiculous over-the-top movie franchise in history is Friday the 13th. Like, it, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it's just, again, I like the first one, and, and because Jason's not even in it. Right. So I like the first one, um, and it was spooky. Yeah. But after that, it got ridiculous. Yeah. Like, again, they just, they, they blow him to bits, and he just Comes forms back. his way back together. Right. It's like, okay. Um, and I'll tell you, the first one was a real sleeper hit but the american pie movie series yeah first one was funny witty it was clever and then they got into okay money grab money grab money grab and it was band camp and it was it was like oh my god like this is just this is just ridiculous how bad these movies are and they drug on and again the first one fantastic i really thought it was a sleeper hit right after that, all crap. It's kind of like the meatball movies. Yeah, yeah. Again, those. The first one fir- was first great. One's brilliant. Well, then, again, first one's brilliant because you got Bill Murray in. Right. Okay. After that, you don't have Bill Murray anymore. Right. Right. It just goes. At, le- at least he had the good sense to walk away <laughs> right. from those kinds of series. So yeah. anyway, all right. When we come back, Chad Bishop, the new beat reporter for Georgia Tech for the AJC, joined us earlier in the show. What he had to say about tech. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports Radio after the game, Austin.com app.
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuck Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, ACC Media Days will be cranking up here next week as the SEC will wrap things up this week and ACC will be front and center next week. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to the new beat writer for Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com, is where you can check out all of his works. Chad Bishop is joining us. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, appreciate the time. Welcome to Atlanta, and uh, congratulations on the uh, new gig as uh, you take over a very historic program in uh, Georgia Tech. Well, thank you, my friend. And, um, you know, you are my first radio interview as the new Georgia Tech beat writer. So the, uh, happy to bring that from. But, no, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm a, I'm a Gwinnett County boy, a Snellville guy, grew up in Georgia. Uh, so kind of a homecoming for me. And to be able to, to write and work for the AJC is kind of a dream come true. And then to cover a program like Georgia Tech, I mean, the history there, the tradition, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun being an ACC country. And I believe that, am I right on this? I think you've covered Vanderbilt for the last, like, three and a half years. You've you've been the beat guy for Vanderbilt University? Yeah, really interesting role up there. I covered Vanderbilt for 247 Sports for about 10 months, and they had an opening on their staff. So I actually worked in the communications department of kind of a hybrid role between, like, an SID but also an in-house beat writer, um, you know, like a lot of MLB teams have, like some colleges have. Um, so it was really fun sort of being inside the program and being able to travel around the SEC and cover Vanderbilt, which, you know, in, in my mind is very similar to Georgia Tech and their history. Yeah, and it's interesting because that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and I, I don't say this in a begrudging way or anything, a lot of, you know, a couple of academic first types of schools. I mean, they have had success in, in athletics and obviously Tech's had a lot of success over the years. But, but they are, you know, there are academic challenges, you know, when you're looking at recruiting and different things like that. So um, I would assume that you probably, and, and again, being from Gwinnett County, you probably have some familiarity with what this program has to offer and what some of the challenges are. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it is, you know, pretty wild to think that I was at Vanderbilt about this opportunity to cover Georgia Tech. But because, yeah, again, you're talking about academic institutions who are, you know, held in the highest esteem when it comes to academics. And a lot of the times the fan base, you know, may roll their eyes or get frustrated thinking that the, the school, the university, isn't putting enough time and resources and money into the athletic program. So, I, you know, I saw that firsthand at Vanderbilt. They had to sort of fight that narrative day in and day out. I mean, they still fight it today. Uh, but they're making a lot of improvements, and I think the same can be said about Georgia Tech, right? You know, they have to fight that narrative day in and day out, but I think they've shown a commitment to make some changes to their football facility and their football program and have a new athletic director and some new coaches, you know, and, and to try to change the fortunes of recent years. So, yeah, it, it's a very, uh, very similar situation between both schools. Uh, we'll see how each, you know, w- which path they go down here as the future uh, is upon us. Chad Bishop, the new Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. So as Brent Key is going into his first year, what's kind of the vibe that you get of this program when when you're kind of covering things and and talking to coaches and players and different things? What's kind of the atmosphere and the vibe and the tenor that you're getting from this program right now? Did we lose Chad? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, again, first first time jitters on uh, on uh, all of that. So, 
Uh, again, we'll uh, effort to uh, get Chip uh, back up here in just a minute. We will talk to our buddy Chris Goforth uh, coming up at the 9 o'clock. Chad, I was uh, asking, as Brett Key goes into his first year here, what's kind of, as you talk to coaches, players, this, that, and the other, what's kind of the vibe and the tenor that you're getting from the Georgia Tech football program? What's kind of the overall feeling about this team going into this season? I'd say cautious optimism. Um, you know, I've, I've covered first-year coaches you know, time and time again, um, and, and they're all different. They all come into different situations. Um, you know, some are taking over, you know, bowl champs or conference championships. Some are, you know, starting from maybe below ground zero. And I think with Brent Key having been there last year and going through eight games and then, you know, getting the job at late November – full time I think there was kind of a you know side relief right all right Brent Key's the guy now let's continue what we're doing let's continue building from the 2022 season so you know this is going to be you know technically year one on paper right but I don't really see it that way I see it more of like a year 1.5 right like he's, he's got some guys back he's had some success last year he's been in the building for a long time he played football there so he can relate to the guys a lot better than maybe some other head coaches so I think there's some cautious optimism that this isn't, you know, your first-year head coach situation, and if they go three and nine, everybody's going to kind of give them a pass. I think, you know, the bowl game is kind of an expectation for this team to sort of take that next step and sort of rise up the conference standings. Yeah, and Chad, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it does feel like that there has been this lull over the program, and obviously there's not been a lot of success on the football field itself, and they did get themselves to five and seven. But to your point, I, I think that there has to start becoming – some expectation that, again, not winning the Coastal per se or winning the ACC just yet, but certainly getting themselves to a bowl game, getting themselves to at least 500. I think doesn't that have to be kind of the minimum expectation about given you know, where this program is and just at least taking that first step forward? I think so. I mean, you know, why else are you fielding a football team, right? Like, why else are you doing it? I mean, if, if you want to, you know, be one of the cream of the crop of the ACC and compete with the Clemsons and the Florida States, well, you know, it's time to start going out there and doing that with a new athletic director and a new coach. So, yeah, year one, right? Let's let's all think, okay, you know, bowl game is a good expe- expectation, maybe a six and six, seven and five. But, you know, as, as this moves forward here, we, we got to see some progress and we got to see this football program get to that next level and that next tier. To me, there's there's not a lot of excuses for my book. I'm, I always joke about what I call the excuse train. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anybody making excuses when you see what Northwestern has done in the past and what Stanford has done in the past. I mean, look what Wake Forest has done in the ACC. So, um, you know, th- there should be no excuses, you know, ever really for any program. You should be able to, to figure it out no matter what your limitations are. Um, we're going to say, okay, year one, let's see if they can get to a bowl game. But after that, there's going to have to be some upward mobility and some upward trajectory. You know, when you look at that side of the uh, of the uh, division in, you know, now uh, again with the SC, with the uh, sorry with the ACC going into non-divisional format now. So um, again, where do you think that places Tech in the overall scheme of things? Do you think that makes it harder for them in the ACC or? Was it better for them to be in a division? I mean, where do you kind of see them in the pecking order of the way the ACC kind of checks out now? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if it, it makes much of a difference when you talk about divisions. Um, I, if you want to break it down into tiers, right? Maybe they they start twenty twenty three in that tier three level, right? Fighting for that six and six, that that bowl spot. Um, you know, they're they're probably not on paper going to fight for that ACC championship unless they just really surprise us all. Um, can they get to eight, nine wins 
You know, probably not. So you kind of put them down there in that middle of the pack and see if they can sort of, um, you know, steal a win or two and sneak up to that second tier. Point into this year, obviously. Now we need to see what happens uh, moving forward. They've been killing it in recruiting so far. Have one of the better recruiting classes that they've probably ever had historically. Um, I know it's early. It's only only uh, July, right? So um, we'll see what the future holds there. But yeah, I don't think the divisional play is going to make much uh, difference for them as it as it comes to the standings. It's uh, to me, it's, it's they're in that that tier three level right now, and then got to show they can maybe get to that uh, tier two and then sustain it to where they can build and maybe get to that uh, conference championship level type program. And and you know, the schedule itself. You know, there's the ACC schedule, and then there's everything else because again, they got to go to Old Miss where they got you know they got drubbed on their home field last year by Old Miss, but Old Miss won't be easy. Obviously, playing Georgia, you know, then at Clemson. But when you look at the rest of the ACC schedule, look Louisville, Wake Forest, Miami, BC, Carolina, Virginia. Like I think there's a lot of winnable games on that schedule, but I will say that they've got to get it done, I think, week one in the bends and and get themselves off to a good start because if you can't beat Louisville in almost a, a de facto home game, I'm not really sure what the direction of this thing is going to go as far as themselves in the ACC. Well, that's a great point because if, if we talk about being maybe that tier three middle of the pack team, you know, how do you get to that next tier? Well, then maybe you, you got to beat these sort of quote-unquote 50-50 toss-up games, right? Mm-hmm. You're in your Louisville's, uh, maybe your Wake Forest on, on a you know rebuilding situation. you got to be Bowling Green at home. Um, can you win at Miami, right? Like you got to, when Boston College comes to town, you know, that's a game you got to win. you got to sort of win these, these coin flips, toss-up games, or maybe the matchups are even, or maybe you're even a slight field goal underdog, and that's how you sort of get over the hump and get to that next level. Clemson, Georgia. Ole Miss on the road, you know, you can put you know, a big L on paper for those at the moment. Uh, but some of these other games, you got to figure out a way to get them and show the fan base, show the alumni, show the boosters that you're going in the right direction. Uh, and, and this thing is moving toward bowl games and beyond. What have you heard, seen about Haynes King? I mean, obviously, you know, some anticipation about him coming into the program, coming from Texas A&M, maybe really didn't live up to the hype at the A&M. But, again, you get a fresh start here at, at Georgia Tech. Is there a lot of buzz surrounding him? Is there a lot of excitement about, you know, potentially him taking over that quarterback spot? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, uh, programs don't sign transfers for the kids to be backups, right? They want them to come in and, and win those starting jobs. I mean, Brent Key was at the Atlanta Touchdown Club uh, last week, and, you know, he told the crowd there he, he didn't have a starting quarterback yet, and he he's not sure if he's going to have one until, you know, the week of the game. Uh, but, you know, Haynes King is going to come in and battle for that job, and I think he's going to add – you know, some excitement to that quarterback room. And maybe he makes all those quarterbacks better by pushing everyone. Does he win the starting job? I don't know. Do they go with a two-quarterback system? I'm not a fan of that personally, but, you know, it, it rarely works. But that could be an, an issue too, especially if he wins the starting job that first week and maybe doesn't get it done. So uh, we'll see how that plays out in fall camp. I, I think it's, it's probably been a, a very competitive battle throughout the summer. Uh, and we'll kind of see on, on August 1st when they get there and start putting the pads on and start practicing – uh, if he's taking the number one reps or if he's trying to fight for that starting job come come the opener. The offense uh, for Georgia Tech, um, you know, when we look at it, they were they were last and third down conversions. Um, you know, they were they were not a very good, you know, offense overall, passing offense. I think they were last in the ACC. How much of a jump can this team take this year offensively for this football team? 
I don't know how much they can, but I know they have to, right? I mean, the, the Buster Faulkner and his offensive staff have got to figure out a way to put some points on the score more because I think everybody thinks that defense is going to be pretty competitive and going to be pretty sound. Um, but, you know, Brent Key being a former offensive light lineman and Buster Key being the former offensive prowess he was as a player, they got to figure out a way to, to be inventive, you know, to sort of create an identity, maybe not do the same things that, that everybody else in the world is doing and, and try to put the ball in the end zone. I know adding a, a bunch of transfers, you, you mentioned Haynes King being one of them and some high-level recruits on that side of the ball is going to help. Uh, but, you know, how can they be disciplined? How can they not beat themselves? How can they put points on the board at a higher level than they did last year? Uh, I know it all sounds very simple, uh, but it wasn't able to happen in 2022. So they got to figure out a way to do it in 23 uh, to be competitive because we know the ACC has got some teams, you know, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson, uh, obviously not last year, but in years past, who can put points on the board. So you got to figure out a way to keep up. Last question for you. What about the, the buzz around Dominic Blaylock? I mean, obviously at the University of Georgia, um, you know, injuries really just derailed his time at Georgia. Is he healthy? Is he looking good? I mean, what's kind of the prognosis for Dominic Blaylock as uh, now he moves over to Georgia Tech? Yeah, I haven't, to, to be quite honest, haven't heard anything on his, his health status. But, you know, we got, you know, a month and a half still the opener now. So we'll kind of check up on him when fall camp begins. I think the biggest thing that Dominique will provide, obviously, is a great locker room presence and a guy who's been there and seen it and played football at the highest level and seen football played at the highest level from the premier program in the country. So some of those intangibles, right, are going to be valuable coming into the locker room and um, not necessarily coming in and say, hey, this is what we did at Georgia, but saying, hey, you know, this is how things are probably done the right way. This is how you get better. Um, and I think he's, got, you know, like got a new lease on life. Anytime you get a kid in who maybe, like you said, has been through some injuries and maybe hasn't performed at the level he's wanted to, you know they're going to be hungry. Uh, and going to provide a spark to that offense. So they're going to need him to do that because, again, got to find some guys who can put the ball in the end zone. Georgia Tech's new beat writer, Chad Bishop, he writes for the AJC. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work. Follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Chad, really appreciate the time, buddy. Uh, we're going to be in touch uh, all season long and uh, look forward to talking with you through this football season, and uh, congratulations again on the uh, new gig. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to talking to you all season. You got it. Chuck Rennie Key Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.